for the large majority of people, providing content that's easily accessible and formatted for the device that they're going to be viewing it on trumps having an app. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Is it important for your content marketing to be beautiful? How does good design impact conversion rates? And should most businesses be developing their own app? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask today's special guest, Jeff White. Jeff, welcome to DMR. Oh, thanks very much for having me, David. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, well, Jeff is that old dichotomy, a creative who can also think in code. Nearly 11 years ago, Jeff founded Kula Partners, a boutique agency specialising in design, development and inbound marketing. So Jeff, 11 years is a long time in digital marketing. How much has your marketing ethos changed over that period? I think everything has changed in that period. It's, <laughs> it's quite incredible. I mean, I, I originally got into building websites in 1994. Wow. So kind of the uh, the early era, like pre-Netscape even. So mm. just to kind of see the progression of, of what we've gone through and the development of web standards and, and uh, you know, mobile and, and everything else, you know, it's just the whole, the whole thing has changed. And I, I think as... as I've matured and as our firm has matured over the last decade or so, you know, we've really started to look at putting in place, you know, metrics and, and measurement and, and just kind of getting a better understanding of what's working, what's not, and uh, and where we're going to go from, you know, from there and also how we do things for our clients as well. You know, it's a, it's a really different world even from, you know, five or six years ago when we were all just really excited to be getting on Twitter, <laughs> you know, it, it's, a, it's a really different time now. And uh, I think it's not, in these days, you know, it's not just a matter of being part of it or, or having a profile, it's a matter of what you're doing with it and uh, how are you helping your prospective customers and uh, bringing value to, you know, the, the internet as a whole, I guess. So 1994, were you actually designing websites for other people back then or were you just experimenting with things yourself? No, I was actually, um, I was uh, a couple of years away from graduating from design school and uh, we had clients from other universities, so like engineering departments and I think the first website that I ever built for somebody else was for a wind-powered car that a local university team was putting together to take to a competition, so we branded it and built the website for that. But yeah, I, I still have it on a SciQuest disc somewhere. Wow. <laughs> so uh, can you remember things like how many pixels wide it was and, and what file size the, the pages were? Oh, they were tiny. And I mean, we would have been developing for 640 by 480 at yeah. that time. And, uh, you know, probably only 8-bit, so 256 colors, you know, very tiny photos. And, you know, I remember seeing the first... Uh, animated gif and having my mind blown you know <laughs> you can do that hmm. so, yeah. <laughs> and then then being completely blinded by them and on websites like geocities oh. maybe a few years later just flashing exactly. all this <laughs> yeah it didn't take long it didn't take long you know whatever whatever technology gets created if it gets adopted by kind of the general populace you know you look at the rise of myspace and and then of facebook and, and other things like that you know it, it's amazing what happens when everybody begins to get a hold of things and the democratization and some would say, you know, um, 
things get a lot less uh, sophisticated as as it gets more broadly adopted. But I, I think it, it certainly opens more possibilities for connection, you know. Okay. In terms of design, I know that you um, like things like beautiful typography. Um, so um, has design become absolutely paramount in terms of developing a good web presence? Is, is, is it possible to be successful online now um, without being aesthetically beautiful? Hmm. It's a really interesting question because one of the other things about that is that really it's possible for people to achieve quality design without even working with a designer these days. I mean, mm -hmm. there are so many, there are amazing WordPress templates out there and Tumblr themes and, you know, all of these kind of prepackaged things. The question for me is, you know, not is this a nice clean design or is it beautiful? It's, is it contextual and does it speak to the market that that company or not-for-profit or, or whatever is looking to talk to. So in, I've always been very much kind of a, a modernist, uh, you know, uh, the, my professors in design school were, were part of the Swiss modernist movement from the 60s before they moved to Canada. Mm. And, you know, so their thing was about good design is about ensuring that the information is easy to understand and readily accessible and less about beautification for beauty's sake and that's why i think like a you know perfectly kerned mark is as beautiful as something that has a lot of ornateness to it you know so do, do you tend to rely on your own instincts when it comes to developing beautiful design and websites that convert well um, or will you generally rely on split testing tools to make that decision for you my God, that's been humbling. <laughs> you know, because uh, what we think is going to work and what we think is going to convert often has absolutely no semblance of reality to what will actually be a conversion-focused mm. thing. So, you know, as we've gotten a little bit further down the road of, you know, conversion rate optimization and doing split tests and you know, even multivariate tests and things like that. We've, you know, myself and the designers that work with us, you know, we, we've had to check our egos at the door and, and realize that it's, if we're going to be bound by these metrics, we have to live by that sword and die by it and be willing to find ways to make things beautiful and approachable and easy to use while also being, um, standing out enough to draw attention to get the lead or get the conversion. Right, okay. And um, one of the other um, quickly evolving facets of modern digital marketing is apps um, <laughs> and um, obviously responsive design websites as well. Um, do you think having a responsive design website is enough for most businesses or do you think uh, in the future most businesses will need some form of app as well? I, it's a really interesting question, and I mean, our business has evolved over the years. There was one point, you know, um, early in the iPhone's life where we honestly thought, you know, let's take these skills and kind of move into app building and make that our specialty. And you know, we messed around with a few things, but ultimately chose to go the responsive design path. And I may be biased. We've developed a lot of responsively designed sites, but I think that for the investment for most clients, a well-designed responsive site is infinitely more useful to them and a far better use of, you know, 
what are generally limited budgets than the development of an app. And the main reason for that is that when we go looking for information about something, you know, we all turn to our favorite search engine, generally Google, and, you know, within that, the first thing you're going to arrive at is the website or the web property. It's not necessarily the app store. So there's that intermediary step when you're going to be creating an app that people have to know how to get into the app store. They have to understand how to download and install it. And, you know, most people certainly do. But still, the, for the large majority of people, providing content that's easily accessible and formatted for the device that they're going to be viewing it on trumps having an app, which is often, in my experience, a bit of an ego play for some people who've heard the idea and just really want to have something like that. Right. But it doesn't necessarily add a lot of value for everybody. It's funny, since about 2008 or so, we've been always hearing, this is going to be the year of mobile. But um, over the last year or two, it really has finally happened. And uh, looking at the stats of multiple websites is incredible because um, I see for different businesses, um, some well, some businesses are actually seeing more than 50% of their visitors coming as a result of a mobile device. And that, that that's just phenomenal. And it emphasizes the imperative nature of just ensuring that your site looks superb and that kind of device. Well, exactly. One of the well, other interesting thing is actually I, I um, picked up my new iPhone six quite recently. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And um, one interesting um, option on it is is to actually um, choose to view the whole website rather than um, a mobile or or smaller um, version of it. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how many people actually select to do, to do that because obviously it's a fairly big screen and people may be starting to go back to fuller websites now as well. Hmm, that's interesting because, you know, the other constraints haven't really changed. You know, the networks, yes, they're getting a little bit faster, but they're still expensive, you know, so you still have, you know, data still has a, a premium cost to it, so, and you have limited time, and you're still most likely browsing in an environment that isn't optimal, you know, not necessarily sitting on your couch like you might be with a tablet or a laptop. So it will be interesting to see what what people kind of choose to do. I think well-designed environments will probably still, you know, optimize for those mid mid-size screens and the iPad minis and things like that of the world. I, I, it's just meaning that rather than testing for browsers the way we used to, now we're testing for devices. And it's a, it's a bit of a different thing because you really have to take context into uh, consideration when you're designing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny you talking about 6.4 pixels wide because um, um, I had my, my first site designed in the year 2000 and, and that, mm-hmm. that was with, with a view to 6.4 pixels wide as well. And, <laughs> and, I, and I started um, designing my, site, uh, my own sites probably a couple of years later and that was more for 800 pixels wide. But it was, yes. it, it was, it, it was all for fixed dimensions in terms of screen sizes and um, you're always thinking, okay, shall I design it for 800 or 1024 now? For, you know, what was the, what's the majority? But it's, yeah. it's, it's nothing like that now. No, not at all. And I mean, you know, we still run into sites that we built 10 years ago and like, oh, God, we got to update that now. You know, it's still designed for 800 pixels or the old 960 grids or, or uh, any of those kinds of things. <laughs> well, um, one thing that you described Kula Partners as is um, an inbound marketing agency. So, so how do you actually explain the term inbound marketing to prospective clients that maybe haven't heard of that term before? 
Sure. And I think often one of the most instructive ways to describe inbound is to compare it against what it's not, uh, which would be outbound marketing, which would be more traditional tactics that are more push than pull. So things like advertising, you know, TV, radio, newspapers, billboards, and, and even um, that kind of use of social that's more broadcast than engagement. Um, so inbound is about at least in within the the HubSpot ethos of it is about kind of using your owned media, so your blog and your website and, and other things like that, your social channels to publish content that's helpful and useful to your visitors that hopefully draws them in via search or um, even paid search and uh, gets them to convert into a lead and then uses things like email nurturing and social media to drive that, uh, that lead down the funnel towards a sales call. So it's very metrics based. It it's, um, it's very much about kind of providing the information that people are looking for and, and working with both the sales and marketing teams of an organization to understand where the pain points are and how they can better help their customers. So, And I noticed that you're also a certified uh, partner of HubSpot. Um, how, have you looked into any other inbound marketing at all or was there something about Hub, HubSpot that particularly appealed to you? We really like the way the HubSpot folks kind of position their tool and the investment they're putting into it. I mean, Inbound, their uh, annual conference was just last week in Boston, mm-hmm. and uh, we were there. And they really, you know, they are uh, investing another $15 million into the continuous development of their tool set, you know, over the next 12 months as well. So they're, they're really kind of positioned well to for growth and to kind of build a good tool. We've been using other... Uh, inbound marketing tools as well. We have a couple of clients that use Silverpop, which is an IBM company, I believe. Um, we've used Net Results, and uh, we haven't really messed around too much with Pardot or Eloqua, but uh, we've certainly are aware of of them, and and just kind of like the way HubSpot works, it sort of fits our. Um, it fits with our view of the world, I guess. And what about businesses that really want to keep the costs down uh, and they're maybe using AWeber or, or MailChimp at the moment? Um, mm-hmm. Can they get much intelligence or um, nearly as much intelligence from those type of tools um, as they could get from HubSpot? Um, and are there other small, other additional tools that they could use, use in, instead? Or do you think realistically um, to get the whole picture they do have to select an inbound um, specific piece of software? We actually have a couple of clients that run uh, what we've termed inbound light and they're running you know a WordPress based site they're using MailChimp for email signups and lead capture MailChimp's just rolled out some really fantastic marketing automation features so that you can do workflows you know a series of emails based on their previous engagement points with you which is is really great something that previously was only available in a tool with the scale of HubSpot where they start to fall down when you put all of these things together is you don't have that kind of one point of view of a lead and a customer. So you don't necessarily, you know, you might be able to track it somewhere offline in a spreadsheet or what have you, you know, that person that came in via this blog post and then was sent these automated emails and downloaded this funnel offer or what have you, you know, eventually turned into a customer and then we marked that down in our in our CRM, but you don't really get that kind of whole view of somebody's personal record that you get with a tool like HubSpot. But at the same time, you know, that it 
it's not a it's not an inexpensive endeavor you know it's a minimum 12 month commitment to get involved with a with a tool like hubspot and then there's also the marketing resources and services that need to be kind of applied to fuel that program as well so it's you know but the amazing thing about it is that you can build that to a return on an investment number and kind of be working towards sales goals that you track all the way from the marketing through to the close of the sale with a tool like HubSpot. So I think it is accessible for a number of businesses and they just need to think a little bit more creatively about how they could do it and what kind of return they would get on that investment. It's certainly incredible what's happening happened to those sort of tools in the last couple of years because um, um, they, they weren't really around or, or not as far I'm aware uh, were around maybe th- three plus years ago um, and um, you had to get little bits of software to do try and p- pin everything t- together with little bits of subtlety mm-hmm. yeah and it, you know it, it becomes a, a ma- you know if that grows to any sort of extent it becomes a bit of a management nightmare so I, I think that you know, HubSpot pays for itself just in the convenience of being able to see your customer and your, you know, your lead flow and your content and your automation and all your keyword ranking and all of that kind of stuff all in one place. It just certainly makes it easier for our inbound marketers to, to uh, you know, kind of access that data and, and act on it and iterate the programs. Lovely. Well, uh, let's move on to the second um section of our discussion and that's sure. your opinion in terms of what's happening in digital marketing today so i'm um, starting off with software i couldn't live without now what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you it would significantly impact the success of your business well if you'd asked me that question like even five years ago my answer would have been the adobe creative suite hands down no question mm. <laughs> but i mean now with the exception of photoshop we probably rarely even launch any Adobe apps you know we design largely in code and we do really very few print projects anymore so we just don't use those tools so but you know I think in the sort of growth areas of our business on the inbound side and things like that you know we're, we're really huge on a number of different uh, software as a service products um, we've been using Basecamp and FreshBooks for about eight years now I think um, and FreshBooks is saved my life you know it basically I used to spend an entire day doing invoicing which meant that I had to more or less leave it to the end of the month which meant that I was always um, you know, cash flow was always an issue and, and things mm-hmm. like that whereas with FreshBooks you know it takes literally seconds to create an invoice and, and send it out so you know absolutely love FreshBooks nice Canadian company as well Base, you know um, Basecamp um, has been really really fantastic you know a good way to give our clients a view into where their project is what the timeline is and you know some collaboration and stuff like that um, we don't really use it internally for managing anymore we used to but um, our processes have gotten a little bit more complex so um, it, uh, it it's not as much of a useful tool on the inside anymore and for that we use um, the Jira suite by Atlassian. I don't know if you've uh, if you've looked into that. I don't think all. I've heard of that one. No. Yeah, it's they're kind of it's a small company, but they're really growing, and um, it's it's an amazing set of tools that works really well, especially for developer centric environments. Um, it's uh, agile. 
based so there are components of it that um, help you to manage your projects in a more agile way as opposed to kind of a waterfall development process where each section each step of a project is dependent on the step that comes before it now we work primarily in sprints of effort you know based on common deliverables which helps us to kind of complete projects faster and uh, and do stuff like that and it's got all these other components that are really awesome too so we use a piece of the software called confluence for um for uh client uh, co-creation of content and also organization of the content that clients are going to have produced for them so just kind of tracking the the sprints and epics within their overall project and uh you know the other part too is, of course, because we are a HubSpot partner, and you know, therefore, I'm somewhat biased. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, their marketing and sales software has certainly been a, a big component of our success. You know, we um, we've we use inbound for ourselves. It's how we get almost all of our clients now um, come to us through that. So, which means it's given us more reach than just sort of selling within our own geographical region, which is pretty pretty great. And they've been adding on some sales. Um, related software as well that fully integrates with it. Uh, they have a new piece of um, software. It used to be called Signals. Now it's called Sidekick. And it's basically kind of email tracking and um, company intelligence. Uh, tells you on every web page, you know, who are the contacts that you might know at that company and, you know, how are you connected to them. It's, it's really quite smart. And then they have a CRM as well, which is pretty great. And that's uh, a lot of great tips there. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's it's a bit much, but uh, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. So. <laughs> I, I, I think you covered everything. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. No, um, well, I tell you what, I'd like you to um, uh, to bring you back a little bit further um, into. I wish I would have. And that is um, going back um, to um, when you think's appropriate, and uh, um, maybe on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online, what didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have? done differently i i think one of the things and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about um you know about the beauty of design i i used to put the you know the the beauty of design ahead of the business goals of what we were doing and i think you know there there's certainly a danger very early on of being all tactics and no strategy mm. for a lot of this stuff certainly with you know social media you know in the early days of that we were just you know depending on the novelty of the medium to drive traffic and uh, and engagement but we didn't really have any way of proving any sort of return on that investment or or anything like that so i i really wish i kind of had the the knowledge of that I, I feel I have now in terms of understanding how much better things would be if we just sort of step back and figured out what the goals are and then build the campaigns or what have you to, to help meet those goals. Best advice I've ever received. What's the best piece of digital marketing advice that you've ever received? Well, it, it's not even necessarily digital marketing advice, but it, it's it's good life advice too. That's you know what gets measured gets managed. Mm. So, you know that's that's one of those things that uh, has been difficult to kind of uh, learn and and uh, and act on. But boy, when you're when you're looking at everything and all of the different metrics of of and there's so everything collects metrics now. <laughs> so you have to sort of decide which ones are, are really important to you. But uh, you know it. 
it's really been true for for me you know to to get a good sense of uh, measuring things and then acting on and iterating things to make them better. I mean, I haven't actually used the HubSpot tool yet, so I'm presuming that it's just as important to stay with Google Analytics while you're using HubSpot as well. It doesn't actually replace that, does it? No, not at all. There, there's there's different pieces of intelligence with, with both of them, for sure. Okay. Um, so what are the most important metrics do you think to be looking at in Google Analytics? In Google Analytics, I think, you know, I, it's important to be really smart about what you're looking at there so many people just kind of open up google analytics and see a nice big number for their overall traffic you know it's kind of like hits back in the day you know which mm. as it turned out was every single file downloaded <laughs> on the page Absolutely. you know but it made a nice big number that the people in the c-suite <laughs> like to hear um but you know i i think it's important with google analytics to understand you know take the time go in and figure out where your visitors coming from and and not just like you know um geographically but what kinds of devices are they using you know you mentioned the 50% number earlier of, of people using mobile devices to access to access websites well you know if you're actively pissing off you know 25% or 50% of mm-hmm. your potential visitors because you don't have a solid mobile presence then uh, you know that that's that's really valuable information that you can use and also understanding you know where people are coming from what's driving the most traffic to the important pages of your site and not giving um you know people who don't give enough credence to the bounce number and and understanding what that is and why it's important and what it's actually telling you you know if people you know 70 percent of people are bouncing away from that page why what can you do to improve that and, and then making subtle and iterative changes to fix things yeah it's it's funny you um talking about um hits because um i'm pretty anal about uh, descriptive terms as well and obviously um it's 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 a little bit concerning when people are describing things as hits still because (laughs) it's um, what what do you actually mean to that mean by that do you mean views or do you actually mean calls for individual files within a web page and do you realize it could be over 200 there for, for a single page just about exactly and i mean Google's not helping either because they keep changing the terms. Yeah, yeah. You know, in analytics, they keep moving things around and they change, you know, is it a user now? Is it a visitor? Yeah. You know, what, what is it? So it's, uh, you know, uh, sometimes we're, uh, as, as software folk and as experienced web people, we're, you know, we're our own worst enemy because we're making things more difficult for the end user by changing what those metrics are and what those terms are that we call things constantly. <laughs> there's, a, there's a new exciting marketing method every year just about... <laughs> Indeed. Um, so moving on to... The This or That Round. So this is a quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to okay. go? Sure. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? I don't like either of them. Uh, <laughs> Google Plus, I guess. <laughs> Online press releases or one-on-one relations? Uh, one-to-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Uh, SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Global. Yay! 
moving straight on to the $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Well, I'd use it to bust out all of the content that's currently sitting in our backlog (laughs) and then we could use that to drip it out over the next number of days and then focus on how that's actually helping us achieve our our marketing metrics. Um, There's so many things that we're always talking about wanting to do and so many things that we plan to do that sometimes it's hard to get to all of them and uh, you know really I think that's just a matter of time and money so that, that would be what I would do and then I would use our kind of standard lead measurement metrics to see if we were actually doing what we wanted to do. I would think if we could actually generate most of that, we'd probably drive even more more leads and uh, and visits than we're doing now. And what's your favorite type of content now? Is it, is it video or is it image and text based or um, just, just written text? I, I'm still a huge, I mean, I'm 41, so I still like reading stuff. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll read more than, more than I'll watch any video, I guess. But uh, I, I think the thing is, is that we're still not there from a findability perspective with visual assets. So if you're really looking to kind of achieve, you know, um, good SEO, that written stuff is really valuable. But a really well thought out graphic that isn't just something you snagged off of a stock photo library or a Google image search is, is certainly a plus to add to that. And if you are publishing a lot of written content, would you do a lot of keyword research prior to doing that as well? Yes, definitely for our clients, we're doing you know quite a lot of keyword research, but we're also looking at where we can add value that perhaps their competitors or our competitors aren't currently um, engaged. So, you know, we it it's difficult now in this day and age. It's almost like we're post-search now. Mm. You know, we're on to search just kind of being a component of our daily lives. It's not, a, not what it used to be. So it's not a matter of just simply looking at the keywords. It's a matter of kind of understanding what it is that people are looking for. And the keywords are just a method for finding that content. So I think creating good stuff that people want to read is far more important. My number one takeaway. Well, Jeff, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? I think what we've seen again and again is that the organizations that are connecting their sales and marketing efforts are the ones that are winning. Um, for a lot of marketers, you know, sales is a dirty word and the same often holds true in the other direction. You know, the salespeople aren't happy with the leads or what have you, but we've found that the organizations that are kind of putting the tools in place to measure everything so they know where their leads are coming from, know what content is working, know what uh, you know other mechanisms are working are the ones that are being successful and you know where when the salespeople and the marketing people are talking and working together as a team instead of as two completely separate departments, you know that's how you get better. And it sounds simple, but it's it's really a struggle for a lot of uh, businesses and a lot of organizations. Wonderful. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time, your focus and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Um, They could probably visit our website, um, coolapartners.com or find me on Twitter. I'm uh, at Bright White. Excellent. Thank you again. Thanks very much, David. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast delivered as a weekly digital magazine automatically to your tablet or smartphone. 
and that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio.